What liberty do Christians have in regard to entertainment? That's what we're going to talk about today on Conversations with a Calvinist, which begins right now. And welcome back to Conversations with the Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey, and I am a Calvinist. And I'm joined tonight again by my good friend and fellow Calvinist, Jake Korn. He's not a not-yet-Calvinist. He's an all-the-way Calvinist. And that was aimed at you, Matthew Henson, when you listen to this show. <laughs> I, I'm a seven-point Calvinist. I pick up extra points on his behalf. That's right. That's right. I, I like to add points every once in a while just to make people mad. Yeah. <laughs> Well, tonight's show is an interesting one. It's a little off of our normal subjects because Jake and I have been talking about this off camera for a while, and that is the subject of liberty in regard to entertainment. We, as, as Christians, often hear things like, well, a Christian wouldn't play this game, or a Christian wouldn't watch this movie, or a Christian wouldn't engage in this activity. And if you go back far enough in history, you will find that a lot of things that Christians do today, just a generation ago or two generations ago, they said Christians wouldn't do that. For instance, going to the theater was just absolutely forbidden in the generations that preceded ours. Playing cards, I remember as a kid being told, you know, Christians don't play cards except for the ones that do. And uh, it was always a thing. And as, as many of you know, this, this show, we talk about scripture, culture, and media from a Reformed perspective. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about culture. We're going to talk about things like uh, fantasy films, fantasy games, um, things that we were told by Jack Chick would definitely send us to hell. Uh, these are... <laughs> These are some of the subjects that we're going to be jumping into in today's program. And I want to I want to begin by asking just a simple question to you, uh, Jake, and that is the question of why do you feel the need to talk about this? Because I know this is a serious issue and, and one that, that, that really bothers you. And uh, I just want to kind of get you to lay the groundwork for why we're having this conversation. Oh, man, I love the way you frame that question. Um, so tonight I'm, I'm more of a geek than I am a Calvinist. Uh, and we can tell by your background, you know, that you kind of lean that direction as well. Um, I think for me, primarily, I want to think about this topic pastorally because my primary aim is to glorify God, to live in right relationship with, you know, the, the, the Savior who saved me and his will for me. And part of that as a Calvinist is being sola scriptura. Right, taking our left and right limits from the sole infallible rule of faith and life for the church, which is God breathed scripture. Now, I grew up, now listen, disclosure my mom watches this show. Um, so I just want to kind of put it out there, mom. I'm going to kind of discuss some of your parenting. Uh, and I know that everything you did was out of love and well meaning. And I just want to say, Thank you, Jake's mom, for watching my show. You're like, you're, you're, that, that makes me happy. Yeah, so, that's the other person that watches the show. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, that, <laughs> that means that we have an audience of at least three people are going to see this, my <laughs> wife and your mom. And <laughs> that's right. But so, so you know, I was raised, I'm, I was born in 85, so I'm an, I'm an early 90s kid. Um, and I was raised in the era of the Jack Chick tracks. I mean, you went right there, right? Uh, so Jack Chick, if you don't know him, he was a uh, fundamental, independent, King James only, Bible thumping, you know, believing Baptist uh, who had this ministry of writing these really, I'm sorry, but terrible uh, co comic strip like tracks, right, that didn't just talk about the Bible, but would say things like, if you play cards, you're inevitably going to go to hell. And, you know, if you go down the road of listening to music with drums, that's definitely Satan's music. Uh, and a big one was he had a Dungeons and Dragons tract, right, that told the story of a young girl, uh, you know, probably junior high age girl who was playing Dungeons and Dragons with her classroom, her classmates, and the teacher was the dungeon master, and the teacher was using Dungeons and Dragons as this like, like lure to bring her into a coven whereupon they like 
did sacrifices, real life sacrifices together, and ultimately she killed herself because of demonic influence. And right, so wow. that's like, so 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 in this in in his obvious fictitious example, he went all the way with it. Oh, completely. Yeah, to literally to this like twelve year old girl committing suicide because her teacher was a witch who used Dungeons and Dragons to, you know, they always say open the door for evil spirits to come into you um and so so that we call that era the satanic panic of the late 80s right which influenced rock and roll and all kinds of media right things you could watch and so on uh yeah we were told that kiss stood for kids and satan service right exactly everything had a everything you know if you play the beatles backwards it says you know the devil is good and things like that everything yeah and some of that like 1% of that is actually true, right? Like 1% of that, there are these nefarious forces who are utilizing these things. Um, so, so, so my mom, you know, raised me to, to basically just completely, you know, strong arm all that stuff. And, uh, you know, we're not going to have anything to do with that. That's witchcraft, you know? Um, and I just being a young introverted boy, I always kind of, moved to fantasy books and things like that. I, I read the Hobbit when I was young and um, I was, I was before Harry Potter, you know, but so that was really tough for me because I wanted to be faithful and, you know, I was afraid of hell. And so it, to me, it was like, well, you know, am I wrong for having the desire to play these things and watch these things? And like, where, where is the sin in this? Right. And we just took a completely, you know, strong arm stance against it. Well, you know, I had my rebellious college phase, which was playing Dungeons and Dragons. You know, other people say other things about their rebellious college phase, but that was mine. And I remember hiding the books from my mom when she came to hold, visit. Hold on, it just it just makes me love you all the all the more that because I know guys whose rebellious college phase included women yeah. and drinking and drugs, and and your rebellious college phase. This I love you so much. That's yeah. just great. Yeah. Well, and and now, now say. Not to say that I've never done anything wrong, but like that's what that phase was, right? And and like I said, when my mom would come to visit, I would hide my Dungeons and Dragons books and really had to wrestle as I became an adult and a more mature believer. Like, okay, stop. What does scripture say about this? Um, am I being unfaithful to God? Is this a secret sin or, or is it not? And as I really started to peel back the onion, I think we'd be surprised to see one, not just what scripture specifically says, but two, what is a healthy exegetical way to apply what scripture says? Because we do know that when quoting the law, there are a wide variety of ways that people interpret how to apply the law. Um, and, and I've arrived at, you know, a position that's a lot more nuanced, but I think healthy because sola scriptura means not going further than scripture, right? Like it certainly doesn't mean like we're going to live without the law at all, but it definitely doesn't mean we're going to be Pharisees and over apply what we call the hedge around the law, right? From, from the Pharisees tradition, which means if the law is here, right, they would put a more strict law around the law. So you never get close to breaking the law, which is ultimately where I think a lot of this stuff lies because we're uncertain. And and if you listen to the, or you go back to the uh, RPW podcast, we did, it's kind of the same place which is Christians who tend to be legalists favor fundamentalism over conservative view of scripture, a fundamentalist view, right? Is, is this teetotaling like completely, uh, uh, you know, separated from even entering the discussion of, is this healthy? Is this right? So for me, just, and that was a really roundabout way of saying there is a pastoral issue involved. If you're never interested in Harry Potter or Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, there's a pastoral issue here, which is ultimately how do we apply the law faithfully in our lives? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to you, mentioned this to you off camera. I have uh, personally, I've never seen a Harry Potter movie. I've never read the books. I only recently was uh, introduced to the Lord of the Rings. Now that to some people, they would say, wow, but it was uh, a couple at our church, the, the Hill family who, who my wife and I, we, we love them so much and their kids. Um, they love the, 
the uh, Lord of the Rings, and they let us borrow their CDs or their DVDs, and uh, we watched the first two. I haven't, I haven't, I still haven't seen the third one. I don't know what happens with the ring. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so, I, I, I can conjecture based on the memes. What's yeah, about what's going to happen? Sure. But uh, they were long movies, so I didn't get a chance to to finish them yet. But that's but it's it's that's never been my style of fantasy or entertainment. Sure. But I'm a I'm a huge comic book nerd. Yeah. And I have in a box, not I mean, you can see Batman behind me in a, in a box, not six feet from me is is one of one of my most precious possessions. And it's a three by three steel box full of of all of the comic books that were were made the year that Superman died. It was 1993. They did the death of Superman. And I bought, I went to the newsstand. They used to have a thing called a newsstand that you actually went and purchased. And I purchased every comic book and I put it in cellophane the whole year. And I have those still to this day. And I plan wow. to, I plan to one day have them buried with me. I mean, I mean, pass them on to my children. Yeah. <laughs> those are so, so that was my, that was my geek out thing was Superman, yeah. Batman, you know, Batman 1989 when that movie came out. My daughter is nine years old now. And I, and I'm like, should I let her watch this? I was, I saw it three times in the theater. <laughs> that was my geek out was yeah. Michael Keaton's Batmobile and the, the rubber bat suit and how cool it looked. And, and <clears throat> again, I know pastors who would say shouldn't, shouldn't involve with any of that. That's, that's the world. And you shouldn't love the, the world. Can't, can't appreciate art. Can't appreciate yeah. good storytelling. Can't appreciate uh, drama. And you end up with a, a situation where um, these things, which are which are interesting, and, and do juxtapose the idea of good and bad. Yeah, that there that there are forces of darkness and forces of light that do tell a story. Um, that we can't have that. That, yep. that, that that we the only thing that we can have is is the stories that the Bible tells us. And of course, the Bible is full of drama as well. And there's nothing wrong with being entertained in the scriptures. And I do think that there are some, you know, thing, you know, I, I don't have a problem with people who put like the David movie or the Moses movie or thing. I think those are, can be entertaining as well, but are we limited to that? That's a, a big question. Yeah. So first I have to ask in the Lord of the Rings DVDs, did you watch the theatrical release or the extended editions? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I, I'm telling you, see, I'm so bad. I, I got to suspend your geek card, man. I mean, that's oh. just like, 101. Does it help that I know that the chassis of the 1989 Batmobile was actually on a Chevy Impala? Does that help? Does that, yes, does it that, does. does no, no, you're in the club, man. You're okay. <laughs> okay. You're okay. Um, so, so yeah, like what, what's interesting to me, especially kind of as, as I entered my more academic phase of Christianity, right? Going to seminary and stuff. Um, church history, which is not our guide, soul scriptura all the way, but nonetheless, Right. Church history informed me of a very different picture. And, and frankly, this comes up in American Christianity all the time, right? That we invented stuff within the last 150 years that we proclaim has always been the church, but the rest of worldwide Christianity and historical Christianity is like, uh, no, dude, that's not a thing. Let me give you some examples. If you take grape juice at your communion, I just want to let you know, we invented that. That did not exist, Right. Uh, if you um, have a very strong view of the end times being a premillennial rapture type eschatology, we invented that within the last 150 years. If you want to argue with me about that, I'm not going to argue, but you know what I mean? So this, this view of fantasy literature, frankly, is new, is completely new. Now, the fundamentalists, and I don't mean that as like a subset of of humanity that I'm not a part of. We all have a fundamentalist like bone in us somewhere, but the one who's making these decisions or framing their worldview through a fundamental lens, I think will believe this has always been the way fundamental, you know, Christianity has viewed this topic, especially people who have those views of alcohol or maybe gambling, right? Gambling is one that, that blows my mind, right? Like I can see why you wouldn't want to have a life that's controlled by a gambling addiction, but where, where are you pulling it from scripture? Like there actually is gambling in scripture, which is viewed positively occasionally, right? It's called the, the tossing of the lots or whatever, but, but 
so with this, there's not a lot of scripture to pull from and church history doesn't support us. So where do we pull that from? And I think it's, it's fear. And I think it's having a truncated, uh, theological worldview that doesn't fill in the how, so then how should we live with a, with a scriptural worldview? You know what I mean? Um, scripturally yeah, wise, it's, it's it, overly simplistic. It, yes. It, well, it, for it, sure. it, 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 like you said in, in the previous show, which by the way, is um is tonight going to that section of your show that you were in has been cut down to a one minute section and it's going on our TikTok channel so you're going to be TikTok famous in oh, about no. thirty in about thirty minutes. Oh no, uh, China's not going to know what to do with me. <laughs> well, but you said uh, fundamentalism is a cheap drug. Yeah. And I've, I've, boy, that, that has become part of my vernacular now because I, it's, genius. it's an easy high, right? It's, it's an easy way to get that bump of piety and piety feels like righteousness, right? It's not, but it sure feels like it, which is what the Pharisees were high on, man. That's what their Pharisees addiction was feeling pious. And a lot of times a pious person is a righteous person, right? But you can certainly have piety without righteousness or at least a form of it. And fundamentalism gets you there so fast because it just says, just just throw all the holy things you know, uh, on one side of the room and the non-holy things on the other side of the room and we're going to live over there. Where sometimes, man, I know this sounds like I'm backpedaling, but I am not backpedaling. I'm more of a legalist than I am, you know, uh, antinomian. Like, that's just, it's, that's not how real life works. Um, and we can talk about tattoos and we can talk about shellfish and we can talk about all those ways of applying the law. And this is, this is the same because where do we pull this from scripture? Those couple of places in the law where it talks about sorcery and, and, you know, not entertaining a medium, where else, like, where else are you pulling this from? Do yeah. you know? Cause I honestly don't know There's I don't think there's anything else. Um, but there's so much fear and you get these like these brow beating pastors, these, I don't, I don't even want to call them pastors, frankly, but like, you know, like these really aggressive, sorry, fundies, but you know, independent fundamental King James only Bible beaten Baptists who will preach these, the, you know, this thing of, you know, if, if you are playing cards, you're going to get a devil in you and that devil's going to lead you down a road of you're going to lose your salvation and so on and so on. You're a backslider and so on, not grounded in scripture. Right. And so it's it's just this road of of this kind of toxic non shepherding. Frankly, it's not it's not pastoring. It's certainly not exegesis. And that trickles down to a normal person like my mom. Right. A normal person. Loves Jesus, faithful believer. No one would ever question her walk with the Lord, right? Um, did she make this call because she's a Pharisee? No, it's because she's just a normal parent trying to do the best. And she heard from some bad pastor who is in a position of authority that maybe she's not in a position herself to exegetically defend an alternate position. And she goes, well, that pastor said that, it, you know, if you open this door, that spirits could get inside of you. And then those spirits could whatever. What's she going to do? You know what I mean? As a normal person. Um, and again, I always, I always like walk us down this road of separating the line between lady and, and, and pastor elders, but pastor elder is a, is an office, you know, set apart by God. So I hold those people to a higher standard, not that they deserve any special, like, you know, rewards, but they're, they're, they're held to a higher standard of what they should be teaching. So normal people get wrapped up in this. And I think that's where I, I ended up. I remember my girlfriend's mom, and my theater teacher in high school at one point went to picket Harry Potter being at the local movie theater mm-hmm. as Christians, as their small group, right? They were a Bible study group, a lady, just a ladies Bible study group, just a normal church, not a crazy IFB church, a fairly mainstream, not mainstream. I mean, a, a big, you know, evangelical mega church, right? So not even, you know, um, but their, their women's Bible study decided to go picket Harry Potter at the movie theater. One, like, what are you? What do you think you're going to accomplish by that too? On what basis, on what scriptural basis are you pulling this, you know? And then three, like, this is kind of a separate conversation, but, but Harry Potter alone is full of intentional Christian themes intentionally. Like, like there are specific, like Christological references that JK Rowling put in there because she at least views herself as a Christian. I don't, I'm not going to say whether or not she is right. But, but, She's at least moved enough by the gospel narrative 
whether or not she's personally a Christian, I don't know, to put those themes in there to communicate something about Jesus. And so I actually look at Harry Potter in the same way that I would look at the allegory of Jesus in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Now, here was the thing that boggled my mind, and this was just my young lawyer brain kicking in at a very early age, but you know, my mom would let me watch Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Back then it was the cartoon version. Watch The Hobbit. Um, certain things got a pass. Disney movies like Sleeping Beauty for crying out loud. Huge demonic looking dragon, right? Who is a who is a literal witch? Like those things got a pass. But then other things like Disney's The Black Cauldron, you know, or The Last Unicorn didn't get a pass. And I was like, well, here's my favorite. Where's the bell? By what standard? Yeah, by what standard? By what standard? Yeah. And and I don't I, think I, my I, mom could articulate it, right? But my lawyer brain is even as a kid, I was like, this isn't adding up. Tell me why. Yeah. Uh, to, 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 to one credit, I will give to, uh, to my stepmom. Uh, she was, she was pretty much blanket across the board. I couldn't even watch the Smurfs because sure. of, because Gargamel was a wizard. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, I mean, I mean, it was, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, when I say I couldn't, I don't want to say she never let me, but it was, you know, it was always pointed out to me. Yeah. yeah. The, these, these things. I and, think and, points and, for and, consistency is good. Points yeah, for consistency. It, yeah. And, and so, you know, uh, I, I will be honest, you know, I had never heard, I, I grew up with a dad who worked in a, um, my dad was, my dad worked for metal container, which is Anheuser-Busch. He worked there for 35 years. He was not a big reader. So we didn't do a lot of, in our home, there was not a lot of reading of that, that kind of stuff. My stepmom was a, a, a Christian. She went to church, she read the Bible, but you know, we, so I'd never heard of Lord of the Rings. I never heard of J.R. Tolkien or any of that. I, I heard of Superman because Christopher Reeves was, you know, that, 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 that was what I heard of movies. And because those movies didn't exist when I was a kid, um, that was, or at least I don't remember them, you know, uh, that, that just wasn't a thing. But when, yeah. when were you a kid? Like when were you born? I was born in 1980. So man, there so. were some great films back then. Well, what, like what, Crawl, Beastmaster, <laughs> Dark no, I'm crystal. talking about I'm talking about Tolkien and uh, oh, uh, you know there the, were there were C, cartoons C.S. Lewis yeah there were cartoons of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit that were done I think early 80s yeah you should watch it they're phenomenal well and, and that leads to the next issue the next question um and, and and this is where I want you to go with this um because I, I think this is where you were headed anyway and that's the idea of what are the distinctions? Because I'm going to ask you some Great. pointed questions. I'm going to yeah, ask you yeah, some yeah. questions that I know I have been asked, and I didn't know the answer because I never saw this stuff. Yeah. If if somebody were to say, okay, C.S. Lewis, we know he has some theological issues. Don't want to <laughs> yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about that right now. But if they said, if somebody said, I believe C.S. Lewis was a Christian, therefore yeah. I can I can see the allegory in yeah. um in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, J.R. Tolkien was a Catholic, so you know, depending on where people stand on that, obviously yeah. I would have issues with Roman Catholic understanding the gospel, but they would say at least they understand, you know, righteousness and wickedness in in the 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 hobbits and the and the Lord of the Rings. But we have but we have, you know, this woman who wrote Harry Potter, and from what I have heard, and again, haven't seen it, so I, I literally am asking because I don't know. Um, I have heard that there are legitimate incantation language that is used. That is, that was, was again, these are yeah, things sure, that I heard. Sure, sure, sure. Um, you know, don't, don't dismiss me too quickly. Cause I don't know. I'm not, that's why I'm asking. I'm not dismissing uh, you. I'm dismissing uh, uh, the 12 other times I've had this conversation with other people. Okay, it's a yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. They would say there's legitimate use of witchcraft language that is um because we do know there are people who legitimately practice witchcraft not legitimately yeah. in the sense that it's right but they do so believing that it's real sure. yeah, yeah when I, I worked for america online and at halloween there were people who had a cauldron out in the parking lot this was in the late 90s and they were gathered around it having a seance in the parking lot of america online because america online was thunderdome you could wear a bathrobe to work people did crazy things <laughs> It was nuts. We had a seven foot tall gay manager who wore a tutu to work. And unironically, sure. <laughs> this was the it was Thunderdome. And they had and they had these witches outside around a cauldron. And so you know, Harry Potter, I have heard, has real incantation language and 
Um, later, of course, we find out that uh, apparently there was a hidden gay character, Dumbledore being a, a hidden gay character. So these are these are the things that I've heard. I don't know the answer. You yeah. you you do. So so yeah. have at it. Have okay. <laughs> so let me let, let's where do I start? I'll, I'll start with the the Harry Potter stuff again. I'm not J.K. Rowling doesn't go to my church. I'm not her pastor. I have no idea. Right. I do know that there are again overtly Christian themes. Uh, as far as the sacrifice of the innocent, literally the final like climactic scene takes place in the afterlife at a place called King's Cross, where somebody who died a death he didn't deserve chose to come back and fight for his friends. I'm not saying he's Jesus, but it's certainly Christological, and it's intentionally Christological. Um, the, the incantations, man, they're just Latin. They're just Latin-y words. You know what I mean? Like Latin sounds super ominous, but <laughs> like, did she crack open a book that says, you know, witch, witchcraft for dummies and then pull? I, I highly doubt that. I would love to see some sourcing on whether or not that's true. Uh, yeah, she did reveal an LGBTQ character later on after the thing was written caving to the culture or maybe she just is super liberal in her christianity or maybe she's not a christian but again is using overtly christological themes and that's going to take but on her to her credit she got canceled because she came she's, out yeah. saying that women are women and men are yeah, men and she is and, defending and, that that her womanhood is is unique and distinct and i think she's very brave for doing so so let me take that back now to tolkien and lewis um so Tolkien and Lewis were greatly impacted by G.K. Chesterton, right? G.K. Chesterton, mm -hmm. uh, an apologist, Christian uh, philosopher, um, highly influential to them. I, I really recommend people read them if they've never re read Chesterton. I'm sure you've read a bunch of his quotes because they pop up on Facebook a lot. In his book, Orthodoxy, um, Chesterton kind of makes this overall point because you have to think about his time. His his context was really dealing with modernism at its highest, right? So not postmodernism, what we're dealing with today, but modernism, which was really kind of the, the apex of the Enlightenment, the idea that, hey, science has killed God. We don't need religion. We don't need religious morality. Those are all fairy tales, right? Science is going to get us there. We don't need it. And Chesterton kind of made this point that said, um, it, it's more involved, but I'm going to sum it up and I'm going to source, source it for you a little bit. But basically he said, look, man needs to imagine again. Humans need the presence of the supernatural. You have to believe in the supernatural writ large. Now, I'm, I'm more of a presuppositionalist myself, right? So I'm not necessarily making that argument, but, but his argument was if man – first opens his mind up to a general supernaturalism, you will see standing on that side of the room, Jesus and the truth, instead of this side of the room, which is no, no miracles, no supernatural, all science, right? He's, he basically said, if I have to choose a side, I'm going to choose the side that has supernaturalism, which includes, yes, Egyptian mythology is over there and Thor's hanging out over there and weirdos hugging trees are over there. But the truth of the gospel is on that side where supernaturalism exists. It's not on this side. Okay. So, so in that context, Chesterton was making this point that like, I'd rather believe in fairies or read about fairies because fairies will get me to Jesus faster than will the other side of the argument. Okay. So Lewis and Tolkien were both kind of on that side. Now you have to understand too, that their context as professors of medieval and Norse literature was also a big part of where they're coming from. They like, like uh, there was not a greater scholar of Viking like mythology at that time than Tolkien and same for C.S. Lewis, as far as medieval cosmology. And I think they were professors in these fields. And so they were just, they just loved that stuff, right? That was their comic books. They didn't have Batman at the time. They didn't have, right? They had Beowulf. That was the story that they had to read. Now, did they think there was some Christian truth in Beowulf? No, that's just the thing they liked. And then they wrote their stories based off of those influences, their experiences in World War One, their experiences together as friends. And then some Christian, some, some greater Christian truths came out of them because they were Christian men. Now, does that make these works, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, are they Christian works? Well, Tolkien would say, no, this is not a Christian work. However, you will see Christianity throughout it. 
Tolkien's analogies were spread throughout, right? So, so uh, 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 in Narnia, right, Aslan is Jesus, straight across, easy, done. Yeah, Al- allegory over. It's actually not. There's a lot more to it that I'm going to bring up. In Tolkien, he's going to say, well, if you look at the way Gandalf dies and comes back from the dead, there's some Jesus in that. If you look at the way Frodo bears the sins of all of humanity in the form of the ring, there's some some Jesus in that. If you look at the way Aragorn is the king who rightly has the power to to usher you know onto the throne, and and when he sits on the throne, all of the rest of nature falls into place. There's some Jesus in that, and those things are overt um, and intentional. Now, is he trying to write? christian literature and the way we look at it today with some really like awful movies like god is not dead and you know bible man and and like, bible man yeah bible man which, which there's a place for that stuff there's a place for that stuff but no they weren't trying to accomplish bad christian literature they were writing literature as christians and that was okay it was okay because it has historically been okay and, he, and i want to make this real quick point i was studying jude the other day um, cause I was listening to, uh, the Solos album. I don't know if you've listened to Solos, P-S-A-L-L-O-S. They're a really cool band. They, they write really awesome, heavy scripture, uh, music and they have one that's Jude. And so I was like, man, I haven't really studied Jude in a long time. So I kind of did a deep dive on Jude. You know, if you know, if you read Jude, it's full of, uh, alliteration or, or, uh, it's full of citations from the book of Enoch. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and people I, go back. I just and, taught on it a couple months ago. Yeah. And it's fascinating. It's a fascinating yeah. letter. Um, uh, I love especially what it says to the church. But anyway, the way Jude treats Enoch, right, is not as if it's scripture. And and kind of immature Christians will go, well, since he's quoting Enoch, we have to treat it like scripture. No, we don't. We don't because Paul quotes the Stoics and we're not going to pick up the Stoics and say it's scripture. Like you can quote something and it's not scripture. Well, what does that mean about the book of Enoch? That they valued it. To the point that they understood it as a cultural illusion. They understood the cultural reference about the archangel arguing over Moses's body, right? This was a story. I like to call it Christian fanfic, right? It, like it was just a, a cultural myth. Now, maybe it'll turn out in the final analysis that that's a true story that happened. I don't know. But we're never going to make the case that the book of Enoch is scripture. You sh- certainly should not call it that, right? So there's this category of you know, this kind of spiritual myth that's probably fiction and, and was not only accepted right by the church, but is quoted in scripture as acceptable. Yeah. Right. So, so I want to build my framework from that, right. Because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free Um, within our Christian Liberty. There's certainly warrant for this this kind of realm of of the myth the christian or the you know the christian-esque or the the near christ myth at at the very least that i think is totally okay now i'm gonna in the in i'm gonna send you a link now this link is going to be to a seminary class that i took on this subject it was the comparative theologies of tolkien and lewis the whole class is available online my professor dr ryan reeves taught this class so a lot of this information is coming from that class frankly um, it's fascinating, totally fascinating. Uh, I hope everybody watches it. It's a free seminary class, so I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, he peels the onion on the allegory of C.S. Lewis to a layer that that goes way beyond Jesus equals Aslan. It is fascinating. Uh, I'll, I'll give just a very short version of it. So there's seven books in Chronicles of Narnia, right? And we just, most everybody knows Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and they say the lion is Jesus, and, and then they move on. That's where the allegory ends. Not true. The allegory is way deeper than that. So it's this. So in medieval cosmology, so kind of how we viewed the stars and the spiritual realm and all of that in medieval times. So not necessarily just the church, just just how we view before Galileo. Right. There was the earth and then and then there was the spheres of heaven on top of the earth. And those spheres were were Mars and Venus and the moon and Jove which is Jupiter. Okay. So there's, there's seven of them. This is weird, right? Well, each one of the books of the Chronicles of Narnia corresponds to a realm of medieval cosmology because he was the preeminent scholar of medieval literature of his day. Each of those books 
is is tailored to one of these realms of medieval cosmology in so much as the language is different in how he writes per book. I'll give you an example. So The Horse and His Boy is the book that takes place immediately after Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, and it is the one that corresponds to the realm of Mercury, which you can kind of think of the Greek god Mercury, who is known for being fast, and he's the god of poetry and communication because he was delivering messages. Well, the whole book is about how a, a young boy has to quickly deliver a message from one country to another country, and the whole time he's being chased. And if you read the, the dialogue, all of the dialogue in that book is different from the dialogue in the other Narnia books. It's all written like Shakespearean prose. It's very fanciful, flowery language that reads like you're reading Shakespeare. Well, if you smash cut to the silver chair, it's the sixth book in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It corresponds to the moon, which is all about they, – they, uh, the, the medieval philosophers connected the moon to water. So all of the analogies are made – about water there it's very wet sounding and the like one of the characters name is puddle glum and he's very sad <laughs> and and the colors are all white and silver uh prince caspian is mars it's all about kids going to war with one another lion the witch in the wardrobe is is jupiter jove which is kingliness and celebration and what well, what's it about it's about the return of the king fascinating so what's interesting is this code was written in c.s lewis's like personal letters that just like laid hidden for 50 years until like a student at oxford just found them and like unlocked this super deep analogy which was all really ultimately pointing to to christ or at least a version of christ now he's not writing it as an evangelical tool he's writing it as really great literature that happens to include his thoughts and his artistic expression about Jesus. So, so uh, the book is called the Narnia code. It's fascinating. And I'm going to have the link for this class, which discusses all this stuff up uh, in the, in the comments and stuff. Yeah. Well, if you'll send it to me, I'll put it in the show notes and that way if people are interested. And like you said, if you can take a free seminary class, why not? Especially on this. Yeah. yeah. Sure and you should get, you topic. should get Dr. Reeves on the show, man. He's <clears> awesome. He's got a lot of cool thoughts on church history and, yeah. Is it uh, here in local, Jacksonville? Yeah, he's a local Jacksonville. Yep. Love that. Love to get him in the studio. I'll yeah, uh, yeah. I'll try to reach out. I know some guys over there. So that'd be so, cool. so like th that's the positive way of looking at this. Now I'm not saying Christians should take in everything, right? They certainly shouldn't. So that, I that was just what I was fixing to say. But before we go there, because I do wanna I wanna yeah, ask yeah. where the line is, but I do wanna say something. I pulled up a quote earlier, it's been sitting here for a minute because I, I read this quote recently, and it, and it made a huge impact on me. This is a C.S. Uh, or a, a, a G.K. Chesterton quote. So you mentioned him, so I'm, I'm, I'm quoting him now. He says, uh, fairy tales don't tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that. Fairy tales tell children that dragons can be killed. Yeah. And I do think in that regard, I think Chesterton hits on the, on the value of, of what whether whether the whether this is narnia whether this is harry potter whether it is superman or batman the idea that there is good and evil and that there is this this um that that, that, that there's a a reason to fight and a reason to stand and a reason to be truth you know what what did you what did was you know the the idea used to be what was superman truth Justice. Justice in the American way. And, you, you know, in the last movie, they took the American way out. Yeah, yeah, of course which, they did. Which, which was stinky, you know. Yeah. For the Welcome to postmodernism, man, where we yeah, have but, to deconstruct but, everything. And when I think about that and I think about, you know, it gives it, it gives value to saying to my son, you know, my son recently saw me with a sword. He had never seen me with a sword before. I, I've owned swords ever since I was 14 years old. I, I, I've been a, not a collector, but I have several swords that I purchased over the years. And I pulled one out from the back of the closet. He'd never seen it. He's six years old, seven years old. And he'd never seen me with a sword. And I walked out with it. And ever since then, he's been so excited to see me because dad, where's your sword? I put it at the church. Cause I used, I used it for a karate class or an illustration. Dad, when you bring your sword home, that, that it was a big deal to him to see that sword because that represented something to him. I, years ago, I, there was a, there was a program called raising a modern day knight. And it was about mm -hmm. taking a boy from you and I may have talked about this before. We're, we're taking a boy from childhood to manhood and, and the processes of, of that and, 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 giving a sword was it was a yep. symbol of giving that and, and and it's just this 
we have so neutered everything where there's, you know, a kid, a, a six-year-old picks up a stick. It's a sword. It's a, yeah. it's a machine gun. It's a, it's a, it's something, it's, it's something to go to war. And what are they going to war against the bad guys? They don't want to yeah. be the bad guys. They want to be the, the good guys. I remember saying that in a sermon one time I saw, I saw a couple of moms eyes open because I said, the reason why your sons pick up sticks and they charge the enemy in their mind, the imaginary enemy is because in their mind, there is a something built within them. And I believe it's God given that wants to charge the gates of hell that wants to be that wants to be on the side of the victorious king. And, 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 and I do think that there's good in that. And maybe I've taken it a little weird, but I do. Think no, not that- at all. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I think that God built us to have that in us. Right. I mean, Adam's first charge was, was dominion, which he ultimately failed at. He, yeah. he should have, you know, gotten the snake out of the garden, not, you know, not allowed his wife to talk to it. Um, and I think that's always going to be a piece of us. The Lord is a warrior. Right. The Lord is his name. And I think there's there's something ingrained in us as being made in the image of God. That's a piece of that puzzle. And yeah. and that's a good thing to aspire to. Um, and like, again, it's it's historical. It's completely historical. Even in Jesus's day, the Jewish people had mythology. They told stories yeah. that that we don't find in the Bible, although we might find some of them in the Catholic Bible, frankly, you know, like like stories of of demons and evil spirits and monsters and things that needed to be defeated and you know like well bell and the dragon right yeah, yeah yes what what um what is your familiarity with michael heiser uh yeah yeah uh the uh he talks about the divine council a lot um he wrote what was that big that one major his book his, his main work is unseen realm unseen realm yeah yeah, yeah. i have and that book i only recently found out he's in jacksonville Oh really? I, I, yeah, he he's. Uh, I think he's at Celebration Church. At least that's what somebody said. No, that makes like, sense. Because <laughs> he is he is a little more charismatic, and I know he yeah, doesn't yeah. like Calvinism. But yeah. I have I have wondered if he would be willing to come on the show. So if anybody out there knows I Michael Heiser, if anybody, I would just love to pick his brain on this subject because he is he is a scholar about yeah for sure supernatural in scripture. His the stuff he writes about the divine council uh, is fascinating. Um, a lot of it comes up in the Bible Project. I know people have thoughts about Bible Project. I'm generally pro Bible Project. Um, <laughs> I got through about sixty percent of Unseen Realm, but then I stopped because he literally says like. The entire premise of this book only will work if my understanding of libertarian free will is true. And I'm like, well, then <laughs> then your premise <laughs> well, is going to yeah. fall apart because scripture says now. But but he does take very seriously like the few, very few scriptural references to these spiritual divine beings that are above humans but below God, which frankly we have to deal with we have to deal with seriously you know what i mean um and 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 basically like it comes down to a lot of the spiritual realm is just not given to us it just isn't now Mm -hmm. humans we love superstition man and like like especially i think kind of on that more dispensational side or whatever like we love our angelology and our demonology and you know this this angel's name is this and he's got these powers and this demon's name is gugamagog and he's the demon over (laughs) over you know jealousy and you know what i mean like we love that stuff as just a culture um and, and that's not just americans that's not fair that's that's present certainly throughout all of catholicism too but like this kind of over obsession of like this is where it gets weird i just thought about this but it's i think it's a good point of like discerning the truth of the spiritual realm like i want to know the exactitudes of how the spiritual realm functions i want to know who is the prince of persia and daniel what his name is what his powers are what his weaknesses if it's kryptonite or whatever like i want to know the exactitudes right of the spiritual realm and and kind of master it Vices where I'm coming at is like, I, I just want to have like cool stories that I don't believe are true, right? But maybe there are some indelible moral truths in them, you know? So those are kind of two realms. But I don't know if you've have you seen that like naming demons and naming you know oh, yeah right oh, yeah. and a lot of that comes from sub Christian literature or pseudo you know gospels a lot of it comes from that realm yeah dream and, interpretation and everything else yeah yeah and, you know this is Azahel and you know it's like well yeah Abaddon is named like twice in the Bible but like 
we're not given more information about what or who that is. If God wanted us to have that, like we'd have it. Right. But like, just cling to Christ and, you know, he's really ultimately the one who can save you. So what does it, what does that stuff matter? I've always thought that, but. Yeah. And, and that's the thing I think that's the, somewhat the danger in, in, in Heiser's work is, is I do think that he follows many lines that are just, he goes too far, but the, the positive, I would say that, that I've, that I have gleaned from Heiser at this point is that he does make a point that Americans in general modern people, not just Americans, but modern people in general tend to be anti-supernatural when you, when you start thinking about, even about God, they want everything to fall into the category of the natural rather than the supernatural. But God is supernatural. Jesus is supernatural. Walking on water is not natural, dude. Like when people are like, Oh, the red sea, uh, you know, when the, when the, when, when Moses turned the river to blood, it was this like parasite that, that, you know, stained the water. And it's like, no, it's a supernatural God. And, and, and in fact, the supernatural. Yeah, water don't stand as a heap right. on both sides. Water doesn't stand up. And, and I've read like, oh, the, there was a certain tide that pulled back and there was like a, a marshy place where the people could walk. It's like, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he touched the staff to the water and it split and they were dry. Right. Um, and and I don't even like the term supernatural, frankly, because God is the order of nature and he is the master of it. And so if he says water go that way, that's not anti-nature. That is God who is master over nature. Um, now we can't do that, but it is completely a natural thing for the creator, the master to, to have the ability to do that. So I don't even like supernatural, but I, yeah, I think, I think you're entirely right. I think the best example of this is, is the, the, um, uh, it's, it's Genesis six, the, uh, what are they called? The sons of God and the daughters of men. Yes. Nephilim. Nephilim. Yeah. Like, man, how many Bible studies have you been in? Where you open it up for general questions and somebody's like, "What were they? What do you think were the Nephilim?" I'm like, oh, bro, like I don't, <laughs> like I have some thoughts. Like I, I studied enough Hebrew to have some thoughts, but like, there's a reason why this one's not a sh- open and shut case, and I'm not going to open and shut it today. You know what I mean? So, so like again, though, I think what that points at is humanity has this like internal drive to be connected to the greater things and and you know to to wonder and think and dream and and so like there's a healthy way to do that and to just completely say well i will have nothing to do with fantasy fiction is is certainly not it it's not scriptural it's not historical so i just don't think there's a point now the line right so so i think there is a line um I don't know if I have a hard and fast line. I kind of have this general rule. If I'm watching something um, that caused others to be in sin to make it, that I'm not going to participate in that way. So someone fornicating, for example, right? Like I think there's a realm of sexuality that is gratuitous. But again, there's sex and violence in the Bible. Now, it's not showing it. But they, if they had video back then, would it exist in some form? How much if if the Bible were written today and it was all a video thing? It's just a thought experiment, right? So so judges is being made and it's it is intended, inspired by the Holy Spirit to be video instead of describing the sex acts or the or the or the, the violence. How much would be shown? How much would be shown of the violence? I don't know. We get pretty explicit as far as describing violence, and I'm not saying we should build rules off of that. But but for consistency's sake, isn't it worth thinking through? What do you think? What do you think that means? Because there is explicit sex, explicit violence in the Bible. Now, is it gory? Is it gratuitous? Well, no, but it's certainly there. So again, yeah. teetotaling is not is not necessarily the answer. It's not the scriptural answer. Um, yeah. but, but you, but you would agree that, that someone should avoid pornography. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. You know, something that would be intentionally like, you know, things like game of Thrones that are intentional for yeah. titillation. And I think, and I think intention has a lot to do with it. Right. What, yeah. what is the intention of this person? Um, I don't even mind like a parent saying this just makes me feel uncomfortable just yeah. in my discernment as a parent, it's just not right for us. Right. And just say, not because there's a scripture I can point to, but just because either whether it is the Holy Spirit or whether it is just, you know, your conscience, like 
that's, I think that's fine as a parent to just say, it's just not going to be for us. And when you're an adult, maybe you make a different decision. I think you go too far when you say something about a spiritual door opening, you know, that you don't necessarily know that, that that actually true. I don't know if that's true. Uh, or when you abuse scripture to get there, I think that's not good or true, but I think if you, as a parent go, I just don't, this isn't for us. I think that's fine. Just own it on that level. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a Romans 14 issue. Like in yes. our house, in our house, you're not allowed to talk about football. We have no, no I'm just okay. <laughs> we don't in my house either. That's just no one's interested. That's right. Well, that, yeah, that was the joke. Like, it's so funny when it, my brother and his kids are all into football and it's football season. And so he puts posts, all these, and they're great. My neat, my nephews are all love it. And they've all got these gridiron gang, you know, this is and, and like, we're here dressed as Superman. My kids are running around, you know, play. It's just, it's just a different, you know, sure. it's just, it's just, that's our, that's their geek thing. And people don't realize it, but if you're Absolutely. an athlete and that, and you're geeking out over football, you're, you're a geek too. It's just a different geek. Oh yeah. They, yeah. they do a full cosplay dressing up like your favorite character and yeah. everything, man. I dressed. I I did dress as as the Jaguar quarterback a couple of years ago, but it was only because he looked like the the uncle from Napoleon Dynamite. That was oh, Gardner Minshew. That, that's yeah. what made me happy. It had nothing to do with football. It had everything to do with Uncle Rico. So yeah. That's, <laughs> um. It, but it's tough, right? Because there's there's so much of this stuff that's not made by Christians and is not made for Christians, certainly. But can you read a work of fiction that's not written by a Christian or for a Christian, but see a Christian theme and find value in it? I, yeah, I certainly well, well, think so. I, I'll give you a good example. And this is, this may be, this isn't necessarily fan. What is fantasy? Uh, I am a huge George Orwell fan. Now Orwell was not a Christian. I think yeah. he intentionally even spoke against the clergy and animal farm when he named the Raven Moses. And he yeah. was basically a liar who talked about candy, sugar candy mountain and how yeah. everybody went there if they worked hard. No, that's pretty died. overt. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, his allegory, but, but I just did a, on, on, on my uh, YouTube page, I just did a f top five books that I would recommend to people. And I did a bonus book and the bonus book was animal farm. Yeah. Cause I think it teaches about deception. It teaches about in an allegorical way, uh, the danger of, people in power who are empowering for their own gain. And yeah. I mean, animal farm to me is, is, is hugely enlightening, but you know, again, it's not a Christian book and yeah. it's not written by a Christian, but, but it's, I think it's useful. But I if you ask, valuable. if you ask Jack chick, should you read a book about talking animals? Right. He would say that's demonic and in, in doing yeah, so, or, will... or he would say it's not Christian and you shouldn't do it. And, yeah. and again, that's, that's, I, I, I Where's the line? It, and, that and like sounds you, holy, but it's not the historical interpretation of that lifestyle. It just isn't. It just isn't. It's something that we've, we've invented, and it is a pharisaical interpretation of how Scripture should be applied. It just is. So, uh, no, I, I completely agree. I think that there is, there is a lot of value in redeeming, and God uses redemption of worldly things, like, uh, you know, the tabernacle, right? when the uh, when the hebrews received the tabernacle that was not the first tabernacle that existed tabernacles existed in egyptian rituals prior now there was slightly different in form and, and obviously different in function because the god of the universe didn't live in them but the concept of a traveling tent that that conveys god or a god that was something that the hebrews had seen previously so god redeemed glorified used a concept to his glory or maybe somehow they got an advanced copy of it and, and copied him poorly i don't know but but there are lots of examples in the bible of god taking something that the world has and redeems it for something better the cross for crying out loud right um it was was something that has been used to redeem um so this idea of like I, I hate the overuse of of don't be like the world because like that is so overused by the fundamentalist community. Like going back to talking about music, like, well, you can't have drums because that's how the world worships or you can't have laser lights because that's something that the world uses. Well, the world uses oxygen. The world drinks water. The world, you know, uses two by fours in the in the buildings like I like again, like wh where and how are you applying that now? It, if I'm establishing worship and I'm saying I'm going to set up this worship so that I look like the world so that I get people in the doors, well then, yeah, then you're wrong. That's a heart problem. Right. But reading Lord of the Rings, because 
you know, it's it's of the world. I, I just I don't see how you get there if you're being honest with the text and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think what you hit on earlier is is very helpful. Maybe this is where we can begin to draw this uh, draw this to a close. And that is the idea that ultimately this does come down to a conscience issue. And, and if you're a parent and you don't want your kids to participate in something, you know, there are there are things that our kids don't do. Uh, you know, we let our kids play Minecraft, but we don't let them play. There's another game that my daughter wants to play that I don't let her play because I, I and the, the issue for me is because it's a, it's a, it, you talk to other people mm. and I say, you're not talking to anybody outside of this house while playing a game. There's not, there, that's not going to happen, mm-hmm. you know, because <clears throat> I know that there are 40 year old perverts who, who get on those games and yep. want to talk to children. And so she doesn't understand she's nine years old and she sees her other friends in school that are playing this game. And she comes home and says, daddy, I want to play this game. And I say, no, I have researched it. I'm not, I'm not happy with the, 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 where the door that that opens for people to talk to you. And therefore you don't have to understand it. You have to trust me. This yeah. is not, this is not good for you. And I know that's not the same as the fantasy thing, but what I'm it's saying connected, is though. as, as a parent, you have to draw a line and you have to yeah. know why you're drawing that line. And I think explain, I've explained it to her. There are people out there who would use this game in a way that's bad. So we're not going to do it. Yeah. I think um, where we, where we lose that is where, when we draw those lines internally in our household, when then we apply them to someone else's household, if it's not a scriptural like plain oh, yeah. scriptural yeah. issue, Ma- right? Making my, I said this in a sermon very recently. I said, you know what? There's, there are things that are OBO and that's a phrase we've used for years. OBO stands for our business only. Yeah. And that means it's in the Foskey house. And I said that from the pulpit. I said, there are things that the Foskey house, it's our business. And the, and as a church, I love you you don't have the right to come to my house and tell me how to put my silverware in the drawer. That's my business. Yeah. And you're going to do it your way and I'm going to do it my way. And as yeah. long as I'm, my children are, are being taken care of and they're healthy, then really you don't have anything to say about it. Yeah. And, 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 and it's not licensed to sin, right? It's not either or that doesn't mean if you, if they see you bring in a mistress in your house, they shouldn't say something about that. Yeah, well, Cause that's not my business. That's that. the church's. Yeah. 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 It's tough though. Right. Like, like the Christian life is tough. And, and listen, I love that God has, has given us so much range. Why? Because that forces us to rely on an active relationship with the spirit uh, to, to be actively involved instead of just the black and white 616 law, you know, laws in the book of Leviticus. He could have given us uh, Leviticus. He could have given us that, but he didn't. He said, instead, I'm going to write my law on your heart, which sometimes because we're just sinful or stupid, doesn't always seem as clear. And so there's some area where, what are we supposed to do? Bear each other's burdens, right? Understand that if there's some contention between two believers over something that's not the law, right, that Christ already took that into himself when he died for your sin, he took that as well. Like, there's a lot of beauty in the fact that the Christian life is grayer. I'm not saying there's not right and wrong, but but there are just some things that that are how do we live together that as you watch Acts unfold, like they're kind of figuring out as they go, right? Like, otherwise we wouldn't get an Acts 15 and, and you know, how, how do we, what's with circumcising? Are we still doing that? What do we do? You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like they had to figure that out. And so smash cut to 2000 years later when Roblox comes on the scene and we have the game. I know I I have an eight year old girl. I understand. (laughs) Yeah, I got it. Right. Well, now we got to figure it out. We can't rely on Gamaliel to figure that out for us. He didn't have Roblox. Right. And we can't look at Ephesians. Ephesians didn't say thou shalt not let us thy child and play Roblox. So we got to, we have to figure that out within the two poles. I always say it's never either or it's always two ditches on the side of the narrow road. There is a narrow way and, and our you know tendency is to want to lean one way or the other. And it's just not that easy. Now, some stuff is easy. Porn is easy. It's easy. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy if somebody's trapped and addicted. And I mean, obviously you need help, but I'm saying it's easy to identify. It's discernible within Christian witness. Yeah. I think Chronicles of Narnia is easy. It's a super intentional Jesus analogy. Harry Potter, I think people want to make it easy. I think they want to make that easier, but, and you can for your house, right? Because that's a YBO, it's your business only, I suppose, in your household. <laughs> yeah. But, but 
when the when the church goes and pickets it you know at the movie theater now you're you're kind of now you're making it our business because now the church has to say ah i mean i don't really know if i agree with you i don't know if i agree with you pulling god into it you know it's like how we look at westboro for example like like i I mean like you're now besmirching the entire church with how you're wrongly applying scripture so now we're all kind of involved you know what i mean and so i look at the damage that jack chick did and there probably is a reasonable discussion for how children play dungeons and dragons how much they should play dungeons and dragons under what context you know maybe we can wrestle with these things a little better but instead he just went flip the table absolutely not and by the way you're a bad parent your children are probably going to hell if you let them play well now we haven't had a discussion that's right and and i think completely wrong dungeons and dragons is awesome everybody should play it i play it it's phenomenal (laughs) But you can play it wrong and weird and gross and scary. It's a game, right? Like you can you can do that just like you can use a gun well and you can use a gun poorly. It's a tool, uh, you know, so like, I don't know. I love this topic though, man. And I love help, helping people wrestle with it. And all I ask, I'm going to finish with this, right? All I ask is, is you really truly ask yourself by what standard and, and chase after that. If you are asking that question, by what standard am I making this decision and chase after the truth of that? Are you being honest? Am I honestly observing scripture? Am I honestly taking my cues from church history? Is my pastor honestly an honest broker in this issue? By what standard? And if you come up with, I don't know, I'm just not comfortable with it. Great. Go for it. Yeah, that's fine. And I think that's a, that, that's a safe and, 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 uh, and charitable ending. This Sunday, I'm going to be, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but I'm going to be preaching on the, um, if I get to preach, because if Jennifer has the baby, I won't be preaching. But if I preach this Sunday, I'm going to be preaching on the um, Augustine's maxim in essentials, unity and non-essentials, liberty yeah. and all things charity. And, and the reason for that is we just had a new members class. I just finished three years in Genesis. So I'm doing some I saw that. subject-based messages. And I want to talk about what are the essentials and what are the things that we should stand for and then what are the things that we can legitimately disagree on me i mean honestly we can legitimately disagree on things like schooling whether or not you know you know our kids are homeschooled or private schooled or public school you know these are these are you're not going to say somebody's not a christian because they disagree on that you may disagree with what they do yeah but you can't say somebody's a christian because of that but if somebody comes up and says i don't believe jesus is the son of god well yeah they're, they're not a yeah. christian and, and where are those lines? And, yeah. and, and again, in the new members class, we talked about the fact that as a church, we have to agree on the essentials and we have to agree on some secondary things, things like baptism, things like uh, how we understand the Lord's Supper, because because we're doing those things together. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the, you know, but ultimately there are things, you know, whether or not, again, you let your kids play Roblox, whether, you know. That's that. That's I'm not going to come to your house as your pastor and yeah. and and call you to repentance over that. Unless yeah. of course, you know, maybe you're you're being derelict as a parent and your kids are playing Roblox for 48 hours at a, yeah. at a shot. You know, that, yeah. that may be an issue. Yeah, um, when I I think <laughs> if you look at scripture, wisdom literature is not given to us as the law. Proverbs is given to us as a hey, it's kind of best if you live this way. Also, if you live this way, it's not a guarantee of yeah. of positive result you know what i mean like it's kind of this like hey as you live maybe consider these things and if your neighbor is doing a, an obo that you don't think is the right way it's okay to say hey man are you sure that's wise like i love yeah. you and i just want to know like how did you arrive at that decision that's living together but standing in in judgment and or authority well if you're not standing on scripture or you know something else then you're you're probably wrong in doing that and that's just part of the Christian life is continually bearing with one another in love. Absolutely. And, and that's great what you just said. Asking somebody, is it wise? is not the same as saying you're in sin. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and I do think that there are times where as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we iron sharpen iron to ask somebody, Hey, is it, is it, you know, is it really wise to do, I mean, our elders have that, have those conversations. We had, we had an elders meeting right before tonight. You know, that's why I was a little late doing our recording. And we were asking a question about the wisdom of, of an activity. Is this the wise thing? And one of them, you know, said, don't think so. And I thought about it and I said, yeah, you're probably right. And so we're not going to do it. You know, that's, and it was, that's just why a- I love the way reformed Baptist polity is right. That we don't have an overall 
structure of somebody we've never met determining what is right for our congregations. We have men who God has called and planted who live in that congregation. That's right. Who can look at these issues that are not overtly scriptural issues and apply scriptural wisdom to them because they are there. Like, I think that is the way God designed that system. Is it slower sometimes? Is it sometimes messy? Well, of course that's, that's the human experience, but you know, assigning those rights to somebody who's never met me or met my congregation to come down and say, laser lights, no, you know, <laughs> like, well, okay. By what standard? Yeah. Was it six bells now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jake, I want to thank you again for being on the program. I always enjoy our conversations and enjoying just getting to know you better. And I'm sure our audience is as well. Look forward to having you on again. I'm sure I know that we're planning another live edition uh, may have to be after the baby comes, but we did the, yeah, that, 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 that live edition has blown up on, on some of the metrics. People really enjoyed hearing you and, and Matthew and I talk about Calvinism. So hopefully the next time you come on, we'll be able to do that again. So thank you again for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope someday I can actually come do a live show with you in person if the U.S. government will allow me. Yeah, have you in studio. That would be great. And again, I want to thank you, audience, for being with us today and hopefully enjoying today's conversation. If you have a question that you would like for me to address on a future episode, please send it to me at calvinistpodcast at gmail.com. And I can't help but to continue to ask you to go to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash conversations with a Calvinist. And like and subscribe. That really helps uh, to reach a wider audience with uh, the shows that we are doing. We also have our... Um, our conversations with the Calvinist Facebook page. And now as, as interesting as it is, we even have a TikTok channel and uh, it's growing over there as well. So if you're interested, look us up, please subscribe, follow, do all the good things and continue to support the channel. If you are benefiting from this, and if you are, please share it with someone else. Thank you for listening today to conversations with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey and I've been your Calvinist. May God bless you.